0: Once again, massive welcome. Thank you guys for coming out this morning in these crazy, weird, uncertain times. God is on the throne. Amen? Amen. If you're joining us online and you chose to stay away because you're feeling uncertain, then God bless you for making that choice. Be at peace. But praise God anyway. You know, last week, uh, I began, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a third message in a series that has grown over the weeks of preparing these these messages. Um, and this, this, I've now created this series, which is going to be great And maybe another five years. I'll preach it again. But we were looking at specific, specific aspects about not just about how to live, but how to thrive and grow in these uncertain times. And we looked at the, the first message. We looked at um, a principle of dealing with difficulties, condemnations, accusations, and attacks by the devil. The it is written principle taught to us by Jesus himself when he was attacked by the devil. It is written. Then the next week, we looked at our practices, the practices of praise and worship, our behavior about reading and studying the Bible, all good practices, all good practices, make sure you do them. And then last week, I thought I was bringing the third and closing message to this series, but what I was bringing was part one of three parts to the third message. Um, And that message was called Change for Growth and Purpose, and I really dug into uh, about the roots. The roots of it. And you remember that big piece of uh, walnut, that walnut branch I bought? I've actually still got it out in the hallway there. Um, It's a good conversation starter. Um, But in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says this He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I mean, there is no better root food. Than God's love there is simply no better root food at all you could throw throw all your fertilizer and everything like that we're going to talk a little bit about that next week but I won't get into that but the, the the presence and the love of God doesn't just help your roots grow it keeps you strong you know if you don't like change I've got some news for you and it's all bad whether you choose to grow or not, change is going to happen. This is just starting to echo a little bit, uh, Doug. I'm probably going to get quite excited this morning, so, um, which is no great surprise. <laughs> I'm preaching the word of God. <laughs> I get excited about that. But you know what? Even if you decide to do nothing, you've made a decision. And if you, there, there, is no, there is actually no sitting still in life. Growth will happen past you. If you don't grow, you will atrophy. You will decay. There is no middle ground. It's like the scriptures are full of no middle ground. There's heaven or hell. There's growth or decay, life or death, blessings or cursings. And we all love to try and paint the middle gray, but there's nowhere to paint. Growth, change will take place in all aspects. And even in a winter season, remember last week I talked about the winter season, with trees, growth takes place, and without that winter growth, we cannot have the life boost of spring or the fruitfulness of summer. I want to show you a picture, another walnut, another walnut picture. This here was a self-sown walnut that fell off our tree, and uh, this, is, this is two seasons' growth, okay? The first season is the dirty bit. That's all the root. The second season is the spring, where the root finally put a shoot up. You notice that the root is almost as long as the shoot, And it goes straight down. It took a long time to dig that out. (laughs) That shows that if there is good good ground, the root can go deep. And then with a deep root, you get a good shoot. Strength, endurance, tenacity, flexibility, and durability are all built into a tree during winter. Winter. The strength and the tenacity is not in the big, beautiful, juicy, green branches. The strength and the tenacity is in the root and in the trunk. I don't know if if anyone else has got fruit trees at home that are so prolific and fruiting that the branches go and just bend. The only way they can do that is because there's something in the ground holding the tree up. But you've got to remember this. We've got to remember this, that change is a process. So last week, uh, I I started, like I said, part one of it uh, now, which is now a three-part message uh, about the, the strong roots require three things. Last week, I spoke about time and growth being a time application, because these three messages are all about application. We looked at the elements of time, of transition, conditions, and decisions, and that all three of those, transitioning, conditioning, and decisions actually require time. And I made this statement, everyday strategic decisions for growth and purpose are the architects of your future. We live today by the fruit of the seeds we sowed yesterday. We live today by the shape and the structure of the decisions we made yesterday. Whether you like this or not, you are right where you are because of decisions you have already made. We need to come to a point where we genuinely believe in Jesus and his sovereign authority over our lives. Believers, you are included in this. This is not a statement for those who have yet to choose Jesus as their Lord and Savior because I've encountered far too many believers who are conditional in their belief. But the reality is he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And if we will come to a place of genuine, transparent belief in God's sovereign authority over our lives, when we do, we will be able to say this prayer, which Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 10, verse 23, 24, it says this, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. Get this, how bold is this? So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Don't correct me in anger, for I would die. <laughs> I mean, he gets it. God is sovereign, and if God gets angry, he's going to die. <laughs> you know, when, when when we come to God with that transparency in our hearts, when we get to that point where we go, God, you are absolutely sovereign, and my entire life belongs to you, then I'm almost well, not almost, I am absolutely convinced, I am certain that God would give us exactly the same reply that he gave to Jeremiah after that prayer. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, just let that just marinate your brain for a second. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the designer of your life, the printer of your DNA, says to you, i got plans for you, filled with future and hope, filled with good, and there is no disaster or evil in them. Do you think that might change your day? It might change how you get up in the morning? Well, it should. Is there anyone here who does not have a Bible? Now, straight up serious, is there anyone here who does not have a Bible? Okay, none of you have got an excuse then. <laughs> you don't, because it's in the Bible. <laughs> to live a fulfilled life of growth and purpose, we must allow God to bring about the changes that need to be made. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. <laughs> but there is a but here. We cannot simply be like a boring frog on a log. We cannot just go, well, here I am, God, have your way. Have at it. And just sit and do nothing. We actually have a responsibility to God to care for ourselves and care for each other. Yes, God is sovereign. Yes, he can do it. But... He actually gives us choice. He gives us the freedom to choose, the freedom to decide. And then sometimes I'm sure he stands with an aching heart watching us walk the path that we have decided to walk. And so this morning, we're going to unpack part two of this message, Change for Growth and Purpose. And we're going to get real practical. This message is called Protection from Things that Can Kill. Let's pray. That might be a really good start. (laughs) Father God, Lord, we love you. And Lord, we know, and we know because of the Bible, that you have a future for us. You have a future filled with hope, good and not evil, and no disaster. And yet in that promise, Lord God, you then step back and say, make the decision. Pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill this place even more than you already have. I ask, oh God, that you would release a grace over this auditorium like you did for Daniel and his friends and for the disciples where you opened up their minds. It says that you gave Daniel and his friends an unusual aptitude for literature and wisdom. It says of the disciples that Jesus breathed over them and he opened their minds to your scriptures. God, we need that today. Phyllis, come Phyllis, I pray in Jesus' name. Three of the biggest root killers for life, for growth, and for purpose are these three words, impatience, isolation, and irrationality. Impatience, isolation, and irrationality. So we're going to unpack each of these in the time we have left. Let's have a look at number one, impatience. If there's one thing I'm sure that we can all agree on, it's this. We don't like waiting. Amen? oh good, thank you, I'm in good company I'm in good company we have invented so many ways to stop waiting we've got the drive through we've got the microwave the air fryer, instant coffee I will take time to make a real coffee we've even invented quick dry paint We've invented the T20 cricket game because five-day tests are boring. Oh, sorry, any cricket fans in the house? I, I see that look, boring. <laughs> you know, when I read a verse like Isaiah forty thirty-one, we, we, we preachers love to quote Isaiah forty thirty-one. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. We go, yes, and amen. But we skip really quickly over the first bit. This wonderful list of things can happen when we wait on the Lord. (laughs) The challenge is to follow through, especially when times are tough, especially when times are uncertain, when especially it's like, what is the right way forward? Here's my first step out onto the nice statement for this morning, if I haven't already made a few. Impatience comes from our need to remain in control. Yep. <laughs> Any solo control freaks in the house? <laughs> I really try not to be. I win sometimes, not others. But honestly, impatience is because I want, I, I want to dictate the terms, I want to dictate the timeline, I want to be in control. But picture this, if we we come back to the picture of a tree, if I get a tree that's like, it's not growing fast enough, there's not enough fruit on it, so I dig the tree up and I replant it somewhere that I think is better for me. And then I don't like that because I don't like what's coming over the fence from the neighbor, so I dig it up and I replant it in somewhere that's good for me. Do you think the tree's gonna be very fruitful? Do you think the root structure's actually gonna be any good? So why do we do that with church? Oh, Sorry, a little bit transparent, a little bit transparent. Sorry. (laughs) Why do we do that with God? Why do we do that with His Word? You know, so many people, when they read the Bible, they read what they believe instead of believing what they read. Waiting goes against everything that we naturally want to do. We want to hold tight. We We only want to trust ourselves. But God has given us guidance on the best way to live, the best way to wait on Him. See, waiting requires three things. Resting in a space that feels unknown. It requires trusting in God's process. And it requires believing that God has a plan. Oh, resting, trusting, believing. They're all outside of me. They're all outside of you. (laughs) Done it all. (laughs) It's easier said than done, right? What should we do during this waiting? Well, I'm so glad we've got the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says this Rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. What do we do? We rejoice, we be patient. And we keep on praying. While we're waiting on God's timing, Pray, prayer helps connect us to Him. And when we pray and we're connected to Him, we can focus our faith. We can keep the main thing the main thing. That's our relationship with Jesus. And when we rejoice in this confident hope in God, when we're patient in trouble and when we keep on praying, it also, guess what? It also helps us give room for others who are waiting in their own waiting room. Short story, true story. I had someone come into my office, thumping my desk that the church hadn't caught a revelation from God that they had caught. And it's like, why aren't they getting it? Why aren't you preaching it? What's wrong with you? And I was like... And I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit just dropped something into my heart and I said... Can I ask you, how long did it take you to get this revelation? How long, have you been, how long have you been walking with God to get to this point right now? Oh, 30 years? And I said, okay, you know what? I'm a man of faith, and I know you are too. Why don't we pray and believe that it only takes everyone else 15 When we are patient with God, when we praise and rejoice in the confident hope we have, and we pray and we focus our faith on the main thing, it gives room for everyone else to have their journey too. And that is the beauty and the grace and the love of God. We're all going to end up in the same place if we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but we're not all in the same place on the road. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says this out of the Passion Translation, with tender humility and quiet patience always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who might try your patience. (laughs) Don't you just love how the Word of God says, in your face. (laughs) You know, that's like, that was like, you know, that's Paul writing to the Ephesians. I can see him just getting that, but especially to those who try your patience mic drop (laughs) but here's the thing you're waiting on God does not mean you are separated from him God's delays are not his denials one of the greatest accounts of impatience in the Bible that I'm aware of is in Exodus chapter 32 verse 1 when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and they said to him up Make us gods who shall go before us. Now, get this. They had been in slavery for 400 years, waiting for God to rescue them. They'd only been traveling for 40 days, and now they're impatient. And they're asking the high priest, the appointed priest Aaron, to make them idols and foreign gods because Moses was taking too long up the mountain. Their delayed expectations led to poor decisions. They rejected God and they pursued whatever pleased them. Because if you read that account, not only did they get Aaron to build an idol, the golden calf, but they had a party that turned into an orgy that was lewd, crude and undesirable and a whole bunch of them were killed. Why? Because they were impatient. If you've ever felt frustrated by an uncertain season that lasts longer than you anticipate, you're not alone. (laughs) That's why it's important to remember that your waiting is never wasted. When you're waiting on God, it is never wasted. God wasn't withholding his promises from them. He was preparing them for it. If you find yourself weary from waiting, do what the Israelites forgot to do. Look for evidence of God's presence and look back on what he's already done. Great example, David. The entire Israeli army is terrified of Goliath. Day after day after day, he shouts him down. He is the original smack talker. He gets out there and he just talks smack all over the time to the Israelite army David comes out and he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Goes out with five stones. You know what he does? He reminds himself of what God did. He who saved me from the lion and the bear. I can't try to tell you, say like that, T.D. Jakes, I can't. But the one who saved David from the lion, from the mouth of the lion and the paw of the bear, he says, and he will save me from this Philistine. He declared his faith in God and he reminded himself of what God had already done. And that's what the Israelites forgot to do. I mean, for goodness sake, just 40 days prior, the greatest... Oh, I'm just trying to think of the word apocalyptic. There we go. That's a good word for today. The greatest apocalyptic things that ever, had ever fallen on a nation, they got to witness. I mean, we saw photos on uh, Friday of people who were out Ripara and everything. They took photos of that weather bomb that landed on Blenheim. It was like, "Ah," beautiful blue skies in Ripara on Blenheim. (laughs) That's what the Israelites saw. They're in, in, was it, it, what's the name? Goshen. Goshen. Was it Goshen? Goshen. Goshen Goshen was their district. They're they're sitting around in Goshen in their district, and they're watching hailstones, frogs, locusts. all over Central Egypt. Does anyone else read the Bible like that? Come on. Am I the only one that does that? I mean, come on. Just think about it. You know, how are we tempted to pull up a deck chair and grab a coffee? It's the best cinematic show in the world. Yeah, come on. Just one more time. God's timeline may be different to yours, but his faithfulness does not waver. Impatience will kill your roots. All right, let's move on. I need to move on. Yes, I do. Okay, here's the second thing that will kill your roots, isolation. Exodus chapter 17, verses 11 through 13 says this. The Israelites outfought the Amalekites as long as Moses' arms held held up his arms. After a while, his arms were so tired that Aaron and Hur got a rock for him to sit on. Then they stood beside him and they supported his arms. That's how Joshua defeated the Amalekites. You know, as the fight, we, if, if you've read your Bible, you know the story. The Amalekites were coming against the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, get the lads, go out, beat them up. I'm going to stand on the hill. I'm going to hold up my staff. I'm going to hold up my staff over you and the power of God will assist you. His arms got tied. Of course they would. Has anyone ever tried to do that? Hold it up? Yeah, when we were in the military and we were naughty, we had to stand there holding our rifles like this gets very heavy. He sits on a stone, Aaron and her either side up, they hold his arms up. Moses wasn't created to endure moments, the hard moments alone, and neither are you. Neither are you. I want to ask you a question this morning that might just fry your brain circuits a couple of times. What if your current limitation, what if your current season is actually an invitation for people to partner with you in the God-glorifying story he wants to tell through you? What if the thing that you're walking through is actually a God-designed moment of invitation so when two agree, that's what the scriptures say, when two agree concerning anything on earth, our Father in heaven will. Consider a tree that gets isolated. I want to show you something that's actually something that they reckon is a tourist thing in New Zealand. This here. This is a small stand of macrocarpa down on Slope Point in the southernmost part of the South Island. They were originally planted in the 1800s by a farmer to create some sort of wind protection. Yeah, I'm not too sure that worked out. (laughs) A tree isolated or even a small group of trees, now there's a group of trees there, but look, there's nothing around them. They have to weather, the individual tree or the small little isolated group have to weather every single storm on their own and their growth is stunted. It's bent over, it's misshapen due to having no support network, no protection during storms and winter seasons. So if you see someone walking around like this, (laughs) ask them if you can help. (laughs) That's probably a really good question. (laughs) Moses, Aaron, and her— their actions during this fight not only helped the Israelites defeat the Amalekites, but it actually illustrated two exceptionally healthy ways to acknowledge your limitations in uncertain seasons. Number one, cling to the one who knows your future. As long as Moses held the staff above his head, the Israelites won. But as soon as the staff started to lower, they began to lose. By lifting his staff, Moses symbolically acknowledged. Was there any power in that stick? Not really. It was just a shepherd's stick. But God chose to use it as a symbol in Aaron's hand to say, I am with you. And so when he held it up, he was holding that rod up, not over him, just over himself, but the whole nation going, God is with you. He chose to acknowledge the one who holds his future. Look at the situation in front of you. Observe what's going on around you. Don't let that stop you clinging to God's authority. Look, we don't ignore it. That's just stupid. You've got stuff that's happening. on. Come on, we've got to walk through that sort of stuff. But in the midst of it, the Bible says he... Set a table for us. We're in the midst of our enemies. He won't rescue you from the storm. He will rescue you in the storm. So that's the first thing. Cling to the one who knows the future. Number two, allow trusted people to come alongside you. The victories achieved in uncertain seasons are really due to our own strength. They're a result of clinging to God and relying on others to support us. It's the faithfulness of God that sees us through the storms of life. And we acknowledge that, we create space for God, we wait on the Lord. And when He shows up and He shows off, we have a victory. Now, dealing with this this root killer of isolation, I want to make a statement that I know is going to be a challenging one, but I need you to hear my heart. Here it is. Parents who treat church as optional should not be surprised when their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. I have met far too many parents who for one reason or another have chosen to isolate themselves from church. And then they wonder why their children don't want anything to do with Jesus. The responsibility of generational faith cannot be diminished. It cannot be overlooked. And it is weakened in isolation. Severely weakened in isolation. And not only weakened, but often misshapen. The responsibility of generational faith is huge And isolation can manifest itself in many forms. Physical separation, simply not showing up. Spoken disagreement. Well, that wasn't supposed to happen. And here's the other one, attitude. You know what? You can be on site, but anything but present. Well, you're just lucky I'm here. You're not here. Your body is. please, 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 isolation will kill your roots. Don't let it happen. Here's the third one. So we've had impatience, isolation. Here's the third one, irrationality. Feelings of uncertainty, are not, they're not wrong and they're not bad. They, they come. But when we nurture and we consistently agree with them, that's when it becomes dangerous for our well-being. Did you know that unresolved uncertainty and insecurity, physiologically, can actually cause the, frontis, uh, the prefrontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain, <laughs> this bit, <laughs> it can actually cause it to shut down. If you live a life that is marinated in uncertainty and insecurity you will physically shut your brain down it impairs your ability to solve problems it impairs your ability to pay attention and it impairs your ability to be flexible and to stay flexible this increases your chances it's it's look it's a vicious vicious circle vicious cycle By doing that, it increases your chances of engaging in irrational thinking and irrational behavior, and it makes you even more prone to anxiety, depression, and stress. You know, falling into a puddle face down won't drown you unless you decide to stay there. You can drown in a teaspoon of water, effectively. This this is why... This very, very, very well known verse in the Bible is so important. 2 Corinthians 1, sorry, 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's why it's important to fix your mind on what matters by centering your heart on God's truth. Read your Bible. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know what? This is a discipline. It takes continual conscious practice. Let, oh, there's that word. I think I just preached about that a couple of weeks ago. Your practice. But this, in doing this, it sharpens our senses. It makes us more aware of God's presence in our circumstances Um, There is a very famous uh, brain specialist. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. And there's a quote out of the book that says this, as we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 as someone thinks within himself, so he is. We are not victims of biology or circumstance, we are the product of our thinking. And if you are surrounded by irrationality right now, run! With all your might, run into the word of God, run into the presence of God, flee. If you've chosen to believe otherwise from what I've just read, then that very verse, it's just, it's complete hogwash to you. But once again, science is proving that the scripture is true. Out of control and anxiety and fear are spiritual. Both can attack us at any time and they attack our minds and our hearts. The roots, the roots. If we will let the spirit of fear can take take control of our lives, anxiety can cripple and eventually destroy us. Steal, kill, destroy. John chapter 10 verse 10. That's why the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and he wrote that the spirit that God gave us is not fearful, Or fear-filled. But it is power, it is love, and it is self-control. Here's something else that might be revelation to you. There is never a situation where you have no choice. Never a situation where you have no choice. You can choose, even if you can't physically choose to do something, you can choose what to think. You can choose what to do inside. If you can't change your external circumstances, and sometimes we can't, you can change your internal attitude. You can change your focus. You get to choose. Power, love, self-control. Don't overestimate your troubles, especially before God. So as I bring this into land, I want to give you a scriptural prescription. Okay, I'm going to give you some medicine. I haven't got it in a bottle. You've all got it in your Bible. All right, it's not in a bottle, it's in the Bible. Here we go. Take this a minimum of once a day, every day. At the same time as you take your vitamins. Proverbs 3, verse five and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Philippians 4, verse 7 and 8. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Matthew 6, 34. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isaiah 32 verse 17, and this righteousness, what righteousness? Seek the kingdom of God and live and seek his righteousness, and this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. In, through, and because of God in your life, you do not need to be impatient. You do not need to isolate. And irrational thinking does not need to harass you. In, through, and because of God. Do not let your roots die. Through impatience. Isolation or rationality? So next week, I'm actually going to complete this series, (laughs) finally. (laughs) And so we're going to look about root food. How do you feed your roots? How do you keep your roots strong? Would you stand? I would love to pray with you this morning as we close out.